What's up, hockey fans, and welcome back to the Good Goal Podcast, episode 23. I'm Christian Brady here in Clemson, South Carolina, and right across the street is Matt Tiart. Matt, how you doing on this game day? It's game day. The Tigers played the Citadel in like six hours. It's game day here. It's game day for the Stanley Cup Finals, which we originally thought would never come. Um, so. It's awesome. Yep. It's the sports equinox today. We got football. I don't know. Is basketball playing tonight? Probably not. Nah, no. But college, uh, yeah. sports equinox for us. The only things that we care about are playing in the next two days. So There you go. That's perfect. Well, this is our Jordan episode, number 23. This is a milestone for us. So We're a hockey I think, podcast. Think of, think of a 23 in hockey. I can't. There's no other 23s. No one would be known enough to wear 23. I was like, right, anyway. think of a 23 in hockey, and then I was like, wait, I can't even think of a 23. Yeah, nobody wears 23 in any sport, except for the man. All right, let's start it off with your Capitals. They hire former Flyers and Nashville coach Peter LaViolette to replace Todd Reardon. I know that you said in the last episode that this was your target. How are you feeling about this? That's awesome. Um, when they hired him, the, obviously this was the one I wanted out of the gate. Uh, he has playoff experience. He has won a cup. He has taken three different teams to a Stanley Cup final. Um, he's only one of four coaches to do that. So this guy knows how to get there, and we have the talent yeah. to win it. Um, obviously, from me wearing this hat today, so – I'm I'm just excited we have a head coach that has any head coaching experience, but his pedigree and the way he coaches, um, I showed you a video last night. If you haven't seen it, go on Twitter and just look up Peter Laviolette. There's a video of him in the locker room. I think it was in the playoffs when the Flyers were playing the Bruins, and he just lets his players have it, um, saying, like, look, uh, it's the playoffs. If you want to – earn your ice time you better rip your heart out of your chest um you know take your first shift earn your second one um mm-hmm. he's not putting up with any bs and i think that's what we need the young guys like kuznetsov and verana they need to be pushed a little they need some discipline and the veteran guys like Ovi need a little bit of direction with in their final years so mm-hmm. i'm pumped <clears throat> yeah i'm excited too uh, yeah, Laviolette was definitely, I think, the number one guy to go at for this. Um, so, yeah, you should be excited as a Cavs fan. For more coaching news, let's move on to the Blues. They hire former Dallas coach Jim Montgomery as an assistant. Uh, if you haven't seen the video, go watch it of Jim Montgomery on the Blues Twitter, I think it was. Uh, he talks about, you know, him getting fired, being a wake-up call. If you remember from this show, it was sort of a mystery why he got fired. And then he revealed on his own that it was from alcohol abuse. And he went into rehab and he said he's, you know, fixed his issues, um, fixed his mental health. And it's just a good story. So he was hired as a Blues assistant. And hopefully that's just the beginning of a long coaching career that starts now. Yeah. Um He's an unbelievable coach, you know, before this happened. But I, I like the way he put that, that this is kind of like a new chapter in his life. So 
everything that happened before now, um, like forget about past life. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's awesome. It's awesome for the Blues. They have a stacked team. Uh, I think he's going to add a lot of experience um, on the bench with Craig Berube. So how can you not be excited if you're a Blues fan? Um, and then my last point is good for him. We've kind of kept an eye on him all season um, just to see if he would reappear because when that whole thing went down, it was like trying to solve the Zodiac case. Uh, yeah, because Dallas came out of the gate on fire uh, with this new system that he sort of put into place with the defensive responsibility. Um, he's proven to the league that he can take these stars and plug them into a system that works rather than letting them go. Sort of like, um, you know, Ovechkin used to just sort of let it fly and they were okay with it because he scored 50 goals. But he's taking these guys like Jamie Benn and Tyler Sagan and Mira Heiskanen and all these people and these young stars and plug them into a defensive system that makes them play responsibly. And that's something that the Blues could need, could use because, I mean, you saw Ryan O'Reilly's quotes after they got eliminated in the first round this year. He said, there were times out there where we looked like a junior team. We, nobody was playing responsibly. There was no system on the ice. Everybody was running around. So that's something they could use. Uh, we know Jim Montgomery is a great hockey mind, and he built that Dallas team, which is now in the Stanley Cup Finals. So this should be exciting for the Blues. Yeah. 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 So we wish him nothing but the best. I'm I'm excited for him, um, and his team. Hit like you said, if the team that he built is playing for Stanley Cup Final. So. Yeah. Definitely. Okay. Now for a little bit of off-season news, which we'll just touch on now and then get to after the Stanley Cup Finals, which should be the most depressing time ever. Uh, there was a trade. Eric Stahl went from the Wild to Buffalo in exchange for Marcus Johansson. It was a one-for-one trade. Uh, These are sort of guys in the back nines of their careers. Uh, I know Marcus Johansson from the 2018 Cup run or 2019 Cup run. Um, we picked him up at the trade deadline and then wasn't able to sign him in the, as a rental. But he is he was one of our best players during that run. He's responsible. He's so fast. He's really fast, quick, great skater with the puck. Uh, I can just remember him wheeling around the zone. Uh, so he can make some great plays and he can change his team, a team. And obviously Eric Stahl, I mean, he's been in Minnesota forever, but he is that elder leader presence. Um, he's a great center. He wins a lot of face stuff. Physical you know, that kind of guy. So you can compare these guys, but they're also like very different players. But I think they bring the same sort of elder leader presence to the locker rooms that they'll now that they're now going to be in. Yeah, I think uh the wild trading uh away some guys for some assets at the deadline, um, and kind of preparing for the future and then bringing in a veteran like Mojo who was on the caps forever. I'm pretty sure he was drafted by the caps. Um, he, he knows how to win. Uh, he knows how to play hockey. He's a really good hockey player, as you were saying. Uh, he shows up in the playoffs. So if by some chance that Buffalo gets into the playoffs next year, or the Wild get in the playoffs next year, then he's going to be a huge asset for them. Uh, and mm-hmm. then on the other side, Eric Stahl, guy's a Hall of Famer. He's been around for 
what seems like a hundred years. Uh, and I think the young guys on Buffalo need that. They need some direction in their life. So. Yeah, for sure. Uh, you can see the wild, uh, they were good in this, the, uh, restart. Obviously we talked about them playing with house money. They sort of sold away their team and then found themselves in a position where they technically had a chance to make the playoffs and make a deep run. And now they're sort of looking like they're building towards the future, but getting someone like Marcus Johansson just, it probably buys them a little bit more time than Eric Sell does, but he's definitely someone who could plug into like a system that plays really quickly, uh, scores a lot of goals, gets a lot of shots on net. So sort of like the Vancouver Canucks sort of. Um, so that'll be fun to watch if they can pull that all together in time. Yeah, I think if my memory is correct, the Wild should have a lot of money uh, this off season. So. Mm-hmm. That'll be that'll be really cool to see. I think this off season is going to be crazy, especially uh, with the pandemic going on and people just leaving teams at will. It's going to be the wild west. Uh, so I, I'm ready for that. Yeah, me too. Okay, so more awards were announced as well. We're going to hold off on those because we got a lot to talk about with the Stanley Cup Finals. And unfortunately, this season is starting to come to an end, so we got to think about stuff we're going to talk about afterwards and that's going to be one of them we'll talk about awards trades possible pickups for teams uh we'll have a lot to talk about once this season goes we're gonna have a short off season so we're gonna have plenty of content yeah that's true that's true as well i mean we're looking at two weeks before the season's over and then like a six-week turnaround before the next season starts yeah have we gotten a confirmation from bettman i know he was saying december but, yeah, I don't think he picked a date, but he said they're willing to start in December. But I think that would that would mean November camp, which yeah, would mean if, if they end in early October, they got six weeks. That's insane. But but it's good for us. So yeah, the players want it, and Batman says they're playing a full schedule next year, which is good. So we'll see. That's a, a lot of back-to-backs. Yeah, there's a lot of back-to-back, unless they just go into August like they did this year. All right. Anyway, let's move on to what really matters right now. The number one seed Vegas Golden Knights played the number three seed Dallas Stars in the Western Conference Finals, and Dallas defeated Vegas in five games. Dennis Gurionov sealed it in game five in overtime to end the series. Uh, this was a lot of fun to watch. It was not as lopsided as the end says. I felt like Vegas was either the better team or right in every single game in this series. It's just, like we said, Dallas got their way. Even if Vegas looked like they dominated, Dallas was playing the game they wanted to. They're going to give up 50 shots and win the game 3-1. That's just how they're going to play. And the biggest story, I think, out of this is um, Anton Hudobin and his unbelievable play which they absolutely need. They're a team that's built around Ben Bishop, and they need the performance of Ben Bishop to be successful. And that's what Hudoman has given them. He doesn't give it in the same way. He's sort of a chaotic goalie. Um, but he's definitely played – I mean, he's had to have played perfectly in order for them to get this far, and he has. So it's good for him and good for the, the Dallas Stars. Pressure creates diamonds. <laughs> 
okay? Anti-Kidobin, talk about the ultimate pressure. Uh, hey, kid, Ben Bishop's unfit to play. Get in there and, and see how far you can carry it. And he's starting game one of the Stanley Cup Finals tonight. Uh, guys like Sagan and Ben, uh, the owner, the GM, the coach has been very vocal uh, on them to step up when they need to, when they're, they're lacking leadership, and they deliver, it seems like, every time. It seems like this is the third time now that they've been called out for uh, their lack of leadership, and they respond very positively. Um, and then on the other side, Vegas, like you said, there was a lot of times in the series where you're like, God, Vegas is just the better team. Mm-hmm. Um, but it wasn't meant to be. Uh, I'm a little confused at some, like, I'm going to put it in quotation, Vegas fans um, saying, like, they're done with this team. They're a disgrace. I'm like, what What are you guys talking about? This is your second conference final in three years. Like, you have the most stacked team. It makes no sense. But Yeah, that uh, doesn't make any sense to me. Because uh, if they had gone to the conference finals for the first time this year in their franchise history, it'd be an enormous upset. Yeah. Like, they're not supposed to be where they are at all right now. I don't know. Um, I, I'm interested to see on, like, that side of the coin what happens with Laner in the offseason. It happens with Flurry in the offseason if his agent demands a trade with all the backstabbing. Um, and then, yeah, Dallas. Dallas deserved a win, and I'm excited to see how their, their young guys play. Me too. Me too. There's a lot of fun European players to watch on that team. And they're, they fly. They really do. And they need it to play that game where they can take chances offensively and still be back to play defensively. I mean, they are, you know, the quintessential boring team to watch, but they really are a lot of fun to watch in a way because of how quick they are, how skilled they are. So, yeah, it's definitely, not, that'll, they'll be fun. It's not, like, boring at all when they're playing unbelievable stifling D and then it turns into a 3-on-1 counterattack and you're like, they're going to score here. You just know it when they're passing the center line. Definitely. Yep. Okay, let's move on to the second series. Number two seed, Tampa Bay Lightning against the number seven seed, New York Islanders. Tampa took a 3-1 lead in the series pretty quickly. The Islanders scored in double OT to extend the series, but then Tampa won the Prince of Wales trophy in six games, and then Victor Hedman picked it up and carried it to the locker room, so there's no way they win the finals after doing that. Um, if you don't know, that's a tradition. You don't yeah. touch the trophy because that's not the one you want. But Vegas did it. Remember, Vegas did it in their first year, and then they lost. And now Tampa just well, did it. Thank God Vegas did it because Ovi took it home. Ovi took the Prince of Wales trophy home. So <laughs> the Cavs did too, though. Yeah. Well, it was our first one, or yeah. our first one in 20 years. So Ovi's first one. He's like, I'm taking this home. I don't care. <laughs> They probably had a hard time getting that thing back. I don't think – they probably didn't get back, honestly. Yeah, they had to build a new one. Anyways, this was a good series. Um, it, Tampa had control for the first five, four games. It was pretty obvious. Um, and the Islanders were barely able to eke out a win. But Tampa is 
I will say by far the best team in the league um, right now. I don't think – I mean, we talked about it in the beginning. I thought the Islanders would give them a fight. They did. But, I mean, they had a little chance against the Tampa Bay Lightning. Um, this is so upsetting because all year we annihilated the Lightning for how good of a team they were and how underwhelming they were playing. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, we're getting, they were just getting embarrassed sometimes at like points in the regular season. Um, and how did they prove us wrong? Because in these playoffs, their talent is just taking over games. Um, in the, when we were talking about the Norris Trophy, I was like, heaven shouldn't even be a finalist. Uh, wow, was he listening to me? Because he's the best player on the ice. Uh, Kucherov, when he's healthy, Braden Point is now back. Stamkos is out for game one, but he could come back. If he comes back, that power play is going to put up eight goals. <laughs> a game. Um, a game. So, yeah. Tampa looks unbelievable right now, but it's not surprising. This is the Tampa everyone expected to see last year. Um, and this is the Tampa that we should see with the amount of talent they have. So Definitely, yeah. And the most impressive thing is their depth. They just keep coming at you. I think Ryan McDonough's on their third D pairing. And Goodrow is he's just the guy that comes from my comes to mind from watching these two series where it's just like this guy comes out of nowhere and absolutely like wheels with the puck is the most noticeable guy on the ice when he's out there and he's on the third line. And he's often matched up with the first line of the other team, and he still shines. It's just they keep coming at you for four straight shifts. I don't know how you're supposed to defend against a team like this, but I, I will say if there's a team that can do it, it's the Stars. They're the most defensively sound team in the last 10 years. So What's crazy is usually in overtime, especially in the uh, obviously in the playoffs, first, second line is getting majority of ice time. That's always how it's been. You're seeing like Pat Maroon out there, double OT. Like what? Definitely. Well, what is Pat Maroon he, doing on the ice? And they're playing all four lines uh, a lot uh, in overtime. That just shows you the amount of trust John Cooper has in his depth. Definitely, and that's what you need in the league today. It's, it's so quick that your best players can't play any more than 20, 25 minutes, which means that's less than half the game. You got to have those bottom three lines split the rest. Um. It's a, it adds up to a lot of ice time. I'm sure Pat Maroon gets 10 to 12 minutes a game because they need him to. They need a guy like that to take off the load. If they're going to play so run and gun and so aggressively and then still play defensively, um, there's no way they can do it without burning a ton of energy. Yeah. But they are so fun to watch. I said it immediately after we lost them, after the Bruins lost to them. I said to my dad, I got nothing against the Lightning. They're probably the most fun, fun to watch team I've ever seen. Because they're just, they keep coming at you and they, they do everything right. Like all the things you want your team to do, Tampa Bay does it. They block shots. They, you know, go to the front of the net. Just all these simple little things that everyone's like, you know, you complain about when you're losing. Like Marsha wouldn't go to the front of the net or you'll say like Ovi wouldn't block a shot in overtime. He was you know, dangling, whatever. Every single player on Tampa Bay does that stuff. And it's, that's the reason they're so successful. They can 
make unbelievable plays, but in the end, what matters is the, the stuff that you don't notice at first glance that only hockey fans would really notice, and they do all of it. So It's, it's unbelievable. I mean, I've said this a million times on this show, but on paper, they're the most stacked team maybe in NHL history. Mm-hmm. Uh, just depth-wise, the amount of awards they got between <laughs> their stars. Hedman is a Norris finalist for the second straight year. Vasilevsky is the reigning Vesna winner. Did I say Vesna? Norris, I meant mm-hmm. for Hedman. Vesna, yeah. reigning Vesna winner is Vasilevsky. And the reigning Hart Trophy and Art Ross Trophy winner is Kucherov. Uh, and they're playing without their captain. So, yeah. I mean, you could argue that Hedman's the best defenseman in the league. You can't really argue that Vasilevsky isn't the best goalie in the world. I mean, he really is, without a doubt. And, I mean, Kucherov is one of the best goal scorers that we've seen in, like, how long, you know? He might, so. He's, like, on pace to pass Ovechkin for most points by a Russian. I think he, he's only, like, 26, oh, yeah. and he averages, I know, he's like, so young. He averages, like, 1.6 points a game for his career, and he's already the all-time lightning points leader. In the playoffs. Yep. I know. He's just so fun to watch. Yeah. Uh, but I don't want to give Tampa Bay all the credit, you know, in this series. I think Dallas deserves a ton of credit. And I know we talked about it before, but Hudobin is so good or playing so good. I don't know if he is so good, but he is. Which, by the way, his contract is up at the end of the year. So we'll have to see what happens with him. you got to think the way he's playing, that somebody's going to pay him for one or two years to play to play goalie for them, play 30, 40 games for them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, um, and he then could be a 1A, 1B. On the other side of the coin, the Islanders, I mean, what a run. Um, mm. This is another year where they, they kind of trade. I mean, they've traded for Paggio at the deadline. Um, they were looking to make a run. They have, to me, the best coach in hockey. Um, and then mm-hmm. they're, I mean, they don't really have a star goalie, but Varlamov played lights out in this these playoffs. And they're, just so good defensively. So yeah, they really are. If you're an Islanders fan, you can't be upset, uh, and you got to be excited for the future. Yeah, the, the best thing about the Islanders is how many guys step up for them and score goals because they need they need that. They don't score a lot of goals. It used to be the problem with them that they would give up five goals a game and score four. Um, and Barry Trotz came in and complete 180 to the team and it's helped them so much but they need those you know the Brock Nelsons of the world to step up and score goals and all of those guys do it which makes them like I mean those guys get so excited when they score I don't know that to me is like the reason I like a team is just like their emotion and stuff I I don't know I really wanted the Islanders to win just they're such a fun group of guys they're not a fun team to watch. They're a very boring team to watch. Yeah. They're but really boring. <laughs> it is a great group of guys. Um, they're active on social media, so a lot of those guys have good personalities um, on and off the ice. So great season to them. You can't even say that they're a piece away. They're not. They're just a good team, and they're going to be good next year. So you have to be excited for them. And before the shutdown, they were the worst team in the league. They lost like 13 of 15 games or something like that. Yeah, they were on. They were on like an eight game, eight game skid. 
Um, I mean, we like, we had a podcast before the country shut down and we were saying how they were going to pull themselves right out of the playoffs. And then they're Mm -hmm. two games away from the Stanley Cup final. Yeah. So you got to be happy as an Islanders fan with that. And you take it and you look forward to next season. You don't have to wait that long. So good on them. Good season for the New York Islanders. But, Matt, we got to talk about the Stanley Cup Finals and our predictions because game one is tonight. Uh, I am struggling. I will say, I have to take credit. I picked Dallas to play the Bruins in the finals in September, literally a year ago. Yeah. So I want credit for that. I've given you credit. Okay. Also, my preseason cut pick was game seven overtime away from (laughs) right where we're sitting because Colorado would have trashed Vegas in four. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, right. (laughs) Okay. So, game one, I'm going to let you go first. Why? Uh, Or I'll let you, you could pick game one first. And then I'll pick game one, and then I'll pick my series one. Game one. Um, oh, my God. I'm, like, trying to go game by game in my head, and I can't. This series is going to be unbelievable. Uh, I got Dallas. I got Dallas in game one, uh, and I'm just going to keep going. I got Dallas in game one, Tampa wins in six. Okay. Because that's kind of how it went in the Boston series with Tampa. And then even though I'm pretty – didn't they go up 2-0 on the Islanders? They kind of slow a little bit. And then they usually need a loss to, like, get the get the train rolling. So, yeah. I got Dallas in, Dallas in game one and then Tampa wins it in six. Okay. That's a good pick. Uh, Dallas – from what I've observed in these playoffs has won games one and a lot of the time game two, they sort of just like come off and brush off the opponent immediately where it's just like, oh, our system works against these guys. I think that doesn't happen here. I think Tampa takes game one, maybe like four to one, five to one or something like that. But then Dallas comes back hard, plays their game right. They win in seven. Dallas is oh, Game seven. Because you know if it goes to a game seven, it's going to OT. Mm-hmm. It's for Dallas to score. <laughs> so Yeah, but the lightning, if they go to OT, the lightning will be in the zone for all for 19 minutes and 50 seconds of the first overtime. It's going to be a five-overtime game. <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I wanted to bring up when you were saying guys only get like 25, 26 minutes now, like – the stars. I was like, yeah, Seth Jones is out here playing 82 minutes. Okay, I meant forwards. I was talking about forwards. I know, I know. I'm defensemen just are like, playing more. Defensemen are playing more minutes now than I think they ever have. Crazy. Yeah. I think Vedman. Vedman. Hedman has averaged like 30 to or 25 to 30 minutes a game for the entire playoffs. So that year, whatever he gets in overtime. I think it was 16. I always love to bring this up. 16 uh, when Ottawa was one game away from the Stanley Cup final. <laughs> which seems like forever ago because Ottawa is a dumpster fire right now. Um, Eric Carlson played like – he averaged like 34 minutes a game in those, that entire playoffs. Yeah, and if he were capable, he would have played 60. He was yeah. 
the piece on that team that made that possible. So I'm wearing – my mom is like a self-proclaimed Stars fan. So I'm wearing my Cowboys shirt just to like <laughs> kind of rep for Dallas. My mom never really picked a hockey team, so she's like, go Stars. She, I'm pretty sure she has like, like an old Stars jersey. So I like that. I think she's going to bring that out. But my, So my mom's team's in the finals. <laughs> Good. <laughs> all right, Matt. Well, that's all we got. Um, just, to remind, just to remind, you got – Go ahead. You got the lightning in six, but they lose game one. Yeah. I got Dallas in seven. All right. Oh, God. You got, so you the Tigers play Tampa. Let's get a pick on the Tigers game tonight. Tigers versus Citadel. Um, hundred and forty three to six. <laughs> that's a pretty good pick. Uh, let me pull up the the spread real quick because I picked Clemson to cover the spread last week against Wake Forest, um, which was like thirty four and a half, and they didn't, which is frustrating. Forty six yeah, and a half is the spread. Oh my god. <clears throat> You remember uh, it was the last year? I, th- I don't think we covered. I think the Citadel covered. Yeah, I don't think we cover either. Do you remember a couple years ago when the Citadel almost upset Bama? They were tied at halftime. Well, the Citadel had a winning record against South Carolina, so is that true? Yeah, that is true. Oh my god! I'm pretty sure they're like three and two against them. <laughs> yeah. Right, so this well. is this is for the real state title. Yeah, yeah exactly. All right. I was hoping Dabo would bring out the orange britches because we're playing for the state title tonight. All right. Uh, me and Chris are both going golfing today. Uh, not together. Wish us luck. Uh, yeah, wish us luck. He uh, he's going to shoot in the seventies, and I'm going to shoot hopefully in the nineties. So. <laughs> hopefully I don't break any clubs yeah alright um, thanks everybody for watching hopefully we'll get in an episode next week if they're still going possibly like game 7 preview yeah so we'll see y'all then alright peace peace